You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today DFS. My name is Sia Najad. This is our solo pod. As you know, we roll solo on Tuesdays. We've moved it back to 5 o'clock just to have some consistency with Thursday. Thursday, we have our game-by-game preview. Of course, that's with Mike McClure. But we're live now. Let's talk about Week 10. But before we do that, we're going to talk about Week 9. We're going to do our lineup recap. I had an interesting week. Uh, Not so good in cash, as you'll see. Uh, Pretty good in GPPs, though. Uh, Anybody who followed the... Justin Fields advice, which I was, you know, I'd like to think I was first to market on on Tuesday. That's kind of why we do this early look. Not that there's a difference between promoting it on Tuesday or Thursday or Friday. But if you remember from Tuesday's show, I was really big on Justin Fields and accentuated on Thursday as well. I think that the reason I didn't have Justin Fields in the cheat sheet is because in terms of in terms of the stack was because I didn't know who to pair him with. Right. I, I was playing him solo in almost every tournament. So because of the stack uh, issue there, you certainly could have stacked him with Mooney. Um, or or somebody else. But the point is, those lineups did really well. However, I deserve some shame and ridicule too because I faded Joe Mixon. I thought, you know, when we did the Thursday show, I thought Joe Mixon was going to be one of the higher-owned guys. As it turns out, we we got to Sunday and, you know, Damian Harris was declared out. Everybody, of course, was on Travis Etienne. People were trying to pay up for Eckler or Aaron Jones. They got on to Ramondre. So Mixon started to fade a little bit, and that's probably where I went wrong, not kind of going back and maybe mixing in a little bit of Joe Mixon. But here we all will we'll go over the uh, the cash lineups. But I do want to say a couple things. Um, the FFT DFS contest is live. And for the record, our our very own Frank Stample won last week. And he's going to come on to the show to talk about uh, how and why he constructed his lineup the way he did. Um, it features Justin Fields, as you might imagine, but a great lineup from Frank. He's been playing this contest with us since the beginning of last year. And uh, he's had some good showings, but never a first place showing. And so he's going to come on and talk about that when we get to the FFT DFS uh, contest winner portion. Uh, the, the contest is live for week 10, though. So make sure, go ahead and click the link. It's in the YouTube description. Uh, it's going to be in the podcast description for those of you that are not watching us live. Um, go ahead and get into that. It's 200 deep. And um, we're usually getting it pretty much full by Saturday. So uh, go ahead and get in there before you get locked out. But I'll tell you what. Let's just go to our lineup recap. Uh, we only have one cash lineup to show you because Mike didn't do a cash lineup last week, and he'll explain to you why on Thursday. It looks like he is going to defer more to tournaments the rest of the way. So we will definitely be talking about cash. And actually, I had somebody in Twitter ask me on Twitter ask me specifically if I could kind of just delineate 
cash versus GPP when we go over some of these players, whether it's the early look that we're going to do today or whether it's the game by game preview. I am more than happy to do that. So if I if I run across a guy that I think is a cash game lock, like let's say Travis Etienne was last week, which we referred to him as a cash game option. We referred to Justin Fields as both a cash and a tournament option last week. But um, to the extent those those come across my mind or those come across the screen or the discussion, I will make sure to point out they are cash and GPP viable or just cash viable. We, we do a pretty good job doing that anyway, but maybe we could do a better job doing that. So here's here's why I, ha- I had two cash lineups. This one was was not my favorite of the two, to be honest with you, but I felt like I had to put it up here because look at this, everybody. Justin Fields is at the top of this with 45.72 points and it still didn't cash. It's like amazing. It almost feels impossible that that happened. So I've got Justin Fields with Aaron Jones. Well, Aaron Jones picked up an injury, a little unlucky there. I mean, Green Bay was obviously pretty much inept. Uh, They didn't really utilize Aaron Jones like I wish they would have prior to him getting injured. But here we are with 6.5 points and a snowflake. So Travis Etienne, obviously a good call there. Chris Godwin and Tyler Lockett. I probably could have done better there. Uh, Chris Godwin, I didn't mind in cash at all. I I liked him quite a bit to pile up the catches. It just didn't work out. But playing Tyler Lockett in cash here, yeah, that's probably a mistake. Josh Palmer was my next receiver. No issue there at his price, 5,100. He smashes. Evan Ingram, I thought, was a great cash play. He was owned by 27% of the people in this cash tournament. Truth is about Evan Ingram, he probably would have had a bad game anyway. But he also went out, was in and out of the game with a back injury. So we'll have to monitor that and maybe play you know, Jacksonville's in an interesting spot in, in the early look. And we'll talk about the backup tight end. If Engr- if Evan Ingram is not playing, um, there are some options in that game. Uh, maybe some double tight end options, which Mike McClure likes to do, where you have Travis Kelsey and a low, like 2700 2500 uh, price tight end. Again, we'll talk about that specifically, uh, specifically that Jacksonville game as well against Kansas City. DeAndre Hopkins in my flex. Uh, that didn't do me any favors, but certainly not a bad play, in my opinion. Uh, commander's defense. So really, this lineup got a little unlucky. It was very close to the pay line. Aaron Jones uh, should have gotten there. Lockett was probably my mistake. I, I think I could have just, I could have probably gotten away from Hopkins in cash and and just gone ahead and paid down at another position, or at the receiver position, and in my flex played one of those popular running backs. So again, this wasn't my favorite cash lineup. I think I kind of constructed it hastily. These are hand builds for me. Um, but I did want to I did want to show up because I just think it's interesting that you could have Justin Fields and Travis Etienne in a cash lineup, and it doesn't cash. Granted, Justin Fields forty seven percent, so I you know I wasn't doing myself a ton of favors there in terms of passing the field, right? Because I'm only passing half the field. But again, in cash, you can go with the flow in terms of ownership. Again, my mistake here probably get away from Tyler Lockett and get on somebody a little bit more safe. That's my cash lineup. Let's move on to Mike's GPP lineup. Um, Again, no cash lineup for Mike. We're going to go to Mike's GPP lineup and then my GPP lineup. You'll see in my GPP lineup, um, it actually went very favorably. Pretty, pretty great score. Had some some real potential, top 10 potential. But this is Mike's GPP lineup. Nothing great from him. You know, last week, he was 0.9 points away from $100,000 in his tournament lineup. Um, and he was, I think, one point away from another like 30000 in a completely different tournament. You saw last week his GPP tournament um, netted him $10,000. And, you know, when you win 10000 that's great, but it's tournament style, right? So there's going to be tournaments where you, where you have a goose egg. There's going to be actually a lot of weeks where you have a goose egg, and this is certainly one of them. He had Marcus Mariota. You know, that's an interesting play. I, I think you could have made the argument that, that Marcus Mariota would, you know, certainly had some 
potentially some rushing equity and in a back and forth game against a defense that's been exposed all year against the Chargers that Mariota had some upside at this ownership. I mean, this was certainly an ownership play for Mike. Again, this is tournaments. It's a high scoring affair. You're hoping Marcus Mariota drops back maybe 20 to 25 times, picks up some rushing yards, maybe finds himself in the end zone once. And then at 4.8%, you're passing the field. As long as guys like Justin Fields don't go off and, you know, you know, those types of guys, then you're, you're really passing the field there. So I understand the play. It certainly didn't work out. I, I actually think you, based on the text messages to our fantasy football today, DFS group, I think he was actually debating between Justin Fields and Marcus Mariota. And, and we see how that worked out. Travis Etienne, a chalky play for tournaments, but you know, no particular issue there. He was in an absolute smash spot. We talked about him all week. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson didn't really get there. He didn't look great. Uh, New England kind of dominated and, you know, it just it just wasn't one of those days for Ramondre Stevenson where, you know, sometimes he gets there because he helps us with a late touchdown. Well, the late touchdown came from the New England defense. So if you played the New England defense this week, you were in really that was one of the defenses we talked about. But you were in really good shape if you if you paid up for that defense as opposed to paying down for Carolina, which certainly didn't work out or Washington, which which actually was was an OK option. DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams. So if you recall from our cheat sheet. The contrarian play for Mike was Devontae Adams. Well, that really worked out. In fact, it probably could have worked out even better than it was. But uh, two two receiving touchdowns, 146 receiving yards, uh, 10 receptions. He gets the 100-plus yard bonus. Devontae was in a smash spot. Tyree Kill obviously was in a smash spot. He was one of my favorite plays of the week. So he did really well with the receivers. You You know, DeAndre Hopkins, he got that touchdown really early. And you were like, oh, this is going to be one of those games. And if and if it was, um, even with Marcus Mariota, this this tournament lineup probably would have cashed. But, you know, Mike got tricky at the tight end position. We talked about Brock Wright. We talked about Mitchell, the, the, the two tight ends that we thought were going to fill in for TJ Hawkinson. Mike picked Brock Wright. I mean, if he picked Mitchell, you know, Mitchell scored a touchdown, but he also had like seven total yards. So it's not like he necessarily guessed wrong. I think Brock Wright was actually on the field way more than Mitchell was. But at the end of the day, the Detroit tight ends just were not the right play. So um, he loses there, double tight ends with Foster Moreau. You know, you're really taking a risk there with two tight ends. Mike typically likes to do that two tight end approach with one outstanding tight end. So I can pretty much guarantee you something this week. He's going to have Kelsey as one of his tight. He's going to have Kelsey in his tight end slot and in his flex spot. He's probably going to have one of his five lineups, one of his five GPP lineups. It's going to have a, a second tight end that's super low priced. And there's a few that you can choose from between like 2,500 and 3,400. There's a few you can choose from there. So I encourage you to consider that sort of lineup construction because it's going to be different and it's going to allow you to get Kelsey there because you're going to have um, the discount option in that second tight end. So just to sum up, he had Marcus Mariota, Travis Etienne, Ramondre Stevenson, Hopkins, Hill, and Adams at receiver, Brock Wright, Foster Moreau, Jets defense. So Jets defense uh, was very solid. Again, that's it's, you know, you play the min defense, the min price defense against Buffalo. Jets were at home. It's been a pretty stingy defense. I get it. I, I get why you would just take the chance on playing the Jets defense because it allows you to do so much more. Unfortunately for Mike, you know, the the two tight end combo just didn't get him there. And Marcus Mariota ended up just not being the right play at quarterback. So we can move on. We're going to get to our early look in a second. We're going to get to Frank in a second. But before we do that, we got to check out my GPP lineup because this is certainly much better than my cash lineup. And uh, again, I've been really close. I would say three out of the last four weeks. Not that this one was super close. Like last week, I was really close to a takedown. The week before, I was really close to a takedown. Um, this one, maybe not quite as close, but 192.82, you know, that's it's a solid score. Uh, Justin Fields loved him so much. 
Um, I love that you could play him naked. I've been doing that a lot lately with some of these low price quarterbacks where we're just not sure, you know, which receiver you, you want to pair him with. I mean, sometimes I'll do it with Josh Allen, but especially in Justin Fields case, um, I didn't really see the need to pair him with Mooney, although that would have been the guy I would have paired him with. But I had Justin Fields, Travis Etienne, Ramondre Stevenson, no surprises there. Rondale Moore, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Hayden Hurst, Terrace Marshall, Commander's defense. So we pretty much talked about all these guys. You know, I wasn't necessarily big on Hayden Hurst. I was I was much, much bigger on Evan Ingram. And full disclosure, I played way more Evan Ingram than I played Hayden Hurst. It just so happens, you know, I diversified a little bit at the tight end position and I played a little bit of Hayden Hurst. But what I really liked about this lineup, other than the obvious, with Justin Fields, Etienne, and Stevenson, which, you know, I expected Stevenson to have a, a better game. The ability to get that type of upside at the quarterback and running back position and get Jefferson and Tyreek Hill in the same lineup was really all I wanted to be able to do. That's exactly what I was able to do. I mean, honestly, if if Rondale Moore just has a bigger game, if he somehow gets in the end zone, he somehow gets loose. I mean, he had eight receptions. He certainly had the opportunity to get loose. But if he somehow gets loose and and maybe, you know, Ramondre or my Washington commander's defense, you know, has a, a little bit of a better game, this, this lineup has outright potential for sure. Um, Terrace Marshall, we talked about him. I talked about him on Tuesday and I talked about him last Thursday. Given the targets he was getting and given that he was clearly the number two receiver behind DJ Moore and in a negative game script, I mean, you could pretty much guarantee that he was going to get, I'm surprised he didn't get more completions, frankly. And he did sort of get there at the end of the game with a nice touchdown, but this is a big, fast target that really uses his body to close off the defender. I really like Terrace Marshall. I don't care who the quarterback is. PJ Walker, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. I mean, you name it. Uh, Wanky. Who's, who's the old Carolina quarterback? Is it Wanky from Florida State? Did I say his name wrong? It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Terrace Marshall is going to get targets. And he's going probably to get some – I mean, listen, I don't know how how many times Carolina is going to like get red zone opportunities relative to some other teams. But he is a big target that I think we're going to see a lot of red zone uh, targets go his way. So that's my tournament lineup. Certainly um, a great score. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson – Justin Jefferson, you know, if you remember on Tuesday – I said that Justin Jefferson could have like, this could be like the, this is almost my exact words. This is the breakout game for Justin Jefferson where he could have two or three touchdowns. I don't know if y'all saw that game. He kind of should have had two or three touchdowns. A cut, like he had the touchdown early, but there were two balls in the end zone where I actually expected him to come down with it. One, he definitely got interfered with a little bit, but even still, I, I kind of expected him to come down with those. Kirk Cousins put it in the right position for an all-star receiver like Jefferson to just go up and get it. And he, he he was so close to having two or three touchdowns in this game. So it was absolutely a smash spot for, for Justin Jefferson. And uh, I was really happy I was able to pair him with Tyreek Hill. So again, we're going to do our early look at week 10, which I'm always so excited about. But, you know, I'm almost like jealous, actually, because Frank Stample, he decides to leave the show, you know, and just greener pastures, right? He's got to do the baseball podcast. He's you know, Frank's Frank's a famous guy. He's in need. He's really good at his job. So he couldn't hang around. Uh, and what does he do? This is how he hangs around. He says, well, I'm going to I'm going to leave. I've got other responsibilities for CBS, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and take everybody's money in the FFT DFS contest. And he slow rolls us, right? He waits till week nine to do it. And he puts up an amazing score. Uh, first place out of 200. Frank puts up 227.02. Uh, interesting though, 
I'm not so sure Frank played this lineup in any other contest. Okay, before before we bring Frank on, everybody, whatever you enter into the FFT DFS contest, just at least enter it in one other contest. It could even be a cash game for all I care, but you know, more likely a tournament. Like, just don't just play a five dollar lineup that you really like in our contest. Play it in another contest because what, what's going to happen is you're going to finish first place like Frank, and you get to tweet that out, right? But then you get to tweet out the carbon copy of that lineup in a big contest where you won like five or $10,000. So that's what I really want to see. I want to see a tweet from one of you or Frank or me where I'm like, boom, won the FFT DFS contest. And oh, by the way, I won $20,000 too. Same lineup because I watch the show. I listen to the show. I take the good advice from the show. I disregard the bad advice like the Joe Mixon fade. Hand up. That's on me. Uh, yeah. So, Frank, um, explain to us. You, come on here and explain to us. Did you even consider putting this into another tournament, or were you like, I just don't have time. I got to do a lineup real quick, and you know, that let me just let me just play this. Con- was this the only tournament you played? This was the only tournament I oh played. Full God. transparency. This weekend, I was out at a fantasy baseball conference in Arizona, so I made this lineup while getting ready to watch a live podcast, intoxicated. I was like Googling an optimizer at the time. And so I just kind of threw it together. So I knew that I had to make a lineup for this contest. Obviously, I make the contest every week, so got to get a lineup in there. So yeah, I just kind of threw it together. Uh, and I didn't really, you know, have the wherewithal to throw it in anything else. So the joke is on me, Sia, but I'm happy to do it. You know, look, I've donated my money for... How many weeks have we played this so far? You include the playoffs last year, all the regular season games. About 30. Yeah, it's about 30 weeks. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'd say I, I about earned this one. So <laughs> let me ask you this. Uh, for fans of the show last year, when Frank was part of our, our three-man team, there was a fourth man that was a part of our team, and it was Frank's dad, the Don. Did you tell the Don that you took down the tournament? And if so, what was his reaction? So I did tell him I could pull up the reaction. I'm pretty sure he said something along the lines of I have to stop playing in that contest because I keep losing. (laughs) He's uh, yes, he's he's very straightforward and blunt when it comes to that. Uh, Yeah, here you go. Very good. I can't do anything in that contest this week. Uh, Yeah, nothing else. Make sure you don't oh. forget anything because I was out in Arizona. So, yeah, but he, yeah, he didn't, he didn't win. I don't, I don't think that he's won before. I think he cashed a few times in this contest, but yeah. He was if, if he wins, let's incentivize him a little bit. If he wins, does he have the ability, like, I, you know, what, he's of an older generation. Does he have like a camera where he could actually, a mic where he could come onto the show in any capacity for like even like a couple minutes if he gets a takedown? Or maybe even, let's incentivize, if, if the Don gets a top three, I think he should come onto the show. Can we maybe make that happen if it happens? I could probably make that happen. I'll just have him come over to my house and he could just sit in on the show for however long you want him on here. But if not, I could always have him like pre-record a video. You know, that's what we were doing last year. My mom would just record him on uh, her phone, send in the video. So whatever you want, if we could get him to to cash top five, top three, whatever it is, I'll get him on the show. Well, Frank, here's what I want right now is I want you to just tell us what your lineup was and if there was any particular insight or particular maybe last minute plays or, you know, whether you just kind of dead set on on, on these guys here. Tell us who you played. Yeah, so I, I looked at the slate earlier on in the week, as I like to do. Obviously, I either watch this show live from behind the scenes or I watch it after the fact. And you do a great job, obviously, with the early preview, the early look. Um, but I, I had an idea of players I wanted to play, but I didn't make any li- lineups again 
until Saturday night and Sunday morning. So I was just, I looked up an up optimizer and uh, this is basically, these were the best plays that I could find. I knew I was going to play Justin Fields basically all over the place. I didn't know he was going to be this good, but he has been ridiculous. I saw he's up to $6,500 this week. I don't know. You're going to have to talk about that one. See, ya. Uh, mm-hmm. I had Austin Eckler and Joe Mixon at running back. Obviously, Joe Mixon, it's like game of the season so far. 58 DK points. He was ridiculous. I had Travis Etienne in the flex. The pass catchers, I had DeAndre Hopkins. I had Josh Palmer. I had Darnell Mooney. So I did have the connection with Justin Fields. But as you can see, see, this isn't the greatest correlated GPP lineup. I, I didn't have a bring back. And in a game against the Dolphins where their targets are so condensed, and it's such a massive total, you probably should have a bring back, especially in a GPP. But, you know, this is such a smaller field contest that I, you don't have to be perfect to, to win yeah. a contest like this. So it really is very similar to the cash lineup that I put out. I just had a few tweaks. I played uh, Darnell Mooney instead of Garrett Wilson. Frankly, I was pretty surprised that Garrett Wilson wasn't more owned than he was just because he was mm-hmm. so cheap. I played Kate Otten over Foster Moreau from my cash lineup, and then I played... Joe Mixon over Ramondre Stevenson. And it was basically just a 3v3 swap. I had a great week in cash and obviously took this one down. Yeah, and I think, you know, not having to be perfect is is a really good thing to say for cash and for the smaller tournaments. Like, yeah. or like maybe you want to play heads up matches. You know, you, again, those are, those are situations where you don't have to be perfect. Like, you know, you're right. With Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney, you'd like to maybe have been able to fit in let's say Tyreek Hill instead of DeAndre Hopkins to have that run that's that run back and that sort of back and forth affair, which you might've been able to do. You would have had to compromise somewhere else, but this um, it would have been Eckler probably where you would have had to come down from it to somebody else. But you know, the one play here that I think we just didn't talk about, cause we did talk about Mixon. I, I just, I just, when I heard on Thursday, he was going to be the most popular guy. I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not playing Joe Mixon as, as the most popular guy. Obviously that wasn't the case on Sunday. So, you know, when, when the news changes over the weekend with, with injuries and things of that nature, guys like Joe Mixon end up falling a little bit, but the one guy I, I kind of regret not talking about because I like to keep my tight end player pool pretty small. And, you know, we had Evan Ingram. There was a couple other guys we talked about, but Kate Otten was a, was a pretty strong play, very, very much a contrarian play at just 4%. Um, you know, Cameron Bright being still out, I, you know, that, that was probably a pretty smart play at 3,100 specifically because it gets you off some of the Evan Ingram and potentially the Foster Moreau chalk. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think Evan Ingram and Foster Moreau were good plays, but they didn't have – certainly Evan Ingram had way more ownership than, than Kate Otten. But um, what's interesting here, Frank, you get a negative two from the Panthers defense and you sure still did. smash. Yeah, sure did. And even that, you know, playing your defense up against a running back and Joe Mixon, again, probably not the smartest play. Could have thrown the Jets defense in there. By the way, the six and three New York Jets see the first team to cash their over win total this season. I've been blown away. Obviously, I'm a huge Jets fan, but even the most optimistic Jets fan couldn't have seen this coming and especially beating the Bills. So that was just awesome last week. That was incredible. I am shocked. In fact, I even put I put a live bet when I think the Jets might have taken a three-point lead and it was maybe four minutes left in the third quarter and the line was Bills minus three and a half. That was the live line. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking that because again, a touchdown, you clear the line. They have basically like 18 minutes to put their foot on the gas and and, and win because they're the dominant team, right? And it's just like, there was no point in that game where I was like, oh, the Bills are going to do this. There wasn't one moment where I was comfortable with that bet after I made it. So um, congrats, congrats on the New York Jets and com- congrats on this lineup. Frank, try not to take our money next week, but you got to play. 
And for those of you that are listening, go ahead and register for the FFT DFS contest. I tweeted it out personally, but it is also in the YouTube description. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, that link will be in there as well. So Frank, thanks for thanks for showing up. Thanks for taking everybody's money. And I wish you the best in this context next week. But by best, I mean second best because I plan on winning next week. Cool. There you go. I'm rooting for you, buddy. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> happy to hop on. You're doing a great job. But I'm going to hop back to uh, behind the scenes and you take it away, bud. Thank you, sir. Uh, Frank, back on the show. So we're going to have Frank back on when he wins again. Or the Don. If the Don top threes, we're, we're bringing the Don back on the show. But let's go ahead and let's clear this. And before we bring up the Week 10 slate, talk about bye weeks, some of the high-scoring games, and, and the, the best plays right now for me at each position, uh, let's take a break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. My name is Sia Najad. This is Fantasy Football Today, DFS. This is the solo pod. On Thursday, it'll be me and Mike McClure doing our game-by-game preview, which of course includes our cheat sheet and Mike's top three at each position, which usually has tremendous value. We'll also try to uh, kind of locate and delineate between some cash and GPP options because that's what some of you listeners uh, have asked for. Again, that's something we do anyway, but I think maybe we could be a little bit more decisive about declaring cash versus GPP or cash and GPP for that matter. But week 10, we got four teams on a buy. Last week, there was a lot of teams on a buy. Now it's four as opposed to six. We got the Ravens, the Bengals, the Patriots, and the Jets. They are on a buy. It's another 10-game slate. Keep in mind the Seahawks and Bucks. It's not a London game. I don't know that this matters to anybody, but it's it's in Munich, I believe, in Germany. So that's going to be Saturday morning. So for redraft purposes, make sure you have your lineup set, at least as it pertains to Seattle Seahawks and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which... Frankly, there's probably a lot of people with pieces. There's a lot, even even with the Bucks being like pretty terrible. There's a lot of pieces in that game. Or Sunday morning, excuse me. I might have said Saturday morning. Um, there's a lot of pieces in that game that uh, that people are going to play. I mean, the Seahawks have s- just so much to play, uh, particularly at the receiver and running back position. And the Buccaneers, you're still playing Fournette. You're, you're probably still playing Brady in most of your leagues. Godwin Evans, you kind of almost have to play those guys. And Kate Otten, if Cameron Bray doesn't come come back, you're you're playing him too. And I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out. But yeah, again, that's Sunday morning. If I said Saturday morning, forgive me on that. The high totals. So I located, you know, like four games that I think are going to be quite popular. The first game I'm going to point out, though, might have some news in the next couple of days. Oh, there's already some news on this Vikings Bills game because Josh Allen has that elbow injury. Um, based on what I've kind of read and, and reviewed, I have a very strong uh, feeling that Josh Allen, again, this is Tuesday, I have a very strong feeling that Josh Allen is not playing this week. Um, I fear that Josh Allen isn't going to play for like three to four weeks. 
and that they're just, just going to rest that ulnar nerve or whatever it is and make sure he's good uh, for, you know, December uh, through the, the playoffs. So Vikings at Bills, that total is going to go down. As of yesterday, it was a seven and a half point spread and it was a 48 point total. Both of those things have moved. Now, in terms of the DFS appeal, it still might have some DFS appeal, but that's just not something I'm really interested in right now, not knowing the news about Josh Allen. The other three games that I think are going to be really popular, Browns at the Dolphins, that's a four-point spread and it's a 48-point total, probably my favorite game. The Jaguars at the Chiefs, nine-and-a-half-point spread, 50-point total. And the Lions at the Bears, that's a three-point spread and a 48-and-a-half-point total. I love all three of those games. If I had to rank them in terms of my personal involvement, it's going to be the Dolphins and the Browns pretty decisively. And I'm hoping that's slightly contrarian. And what I mean by that is slightly contrarian off the other two games, because I think a lot of people are really going to want to play Justin Fields again, even though he's priced up at 6,500 and the Chiefs Jags. It's hard to get away from that one because you can play Mahomes, Kelsey, bring it back with Etienne and maybe get some discount options. We'll talk about those in a second, but there's discount options on both those teams that if you really wanted to stack it kind of hard on both sides, you can take like a Zay Jones or McCole Hardman or even a Jarek McKinnon, who I think is super sneaky because of the targets. There are guys that can kind of d- depress that price a little bit and make your lineup a little bit more reasonable because obviously on the front end, if you're, if you're playing guys like Etienne, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, you just don't have much money left. So something to consider there. I, I do really like the Browns and Dolphins, but anyway, let's pull up the QBs. We have just a handful of QBs that I like so far this week. You know, again, Josh Allen's at the top. He's questionable. Let me just be very clear. I don't know if he's playing on Sunday. My my guess is he's not. If he is, I'm not playing Josh Allen. And I don't think you should either, frankly. I mean, granted, uh, there's a, there's obviously the counter argument there, right? Like, well, if nobody's playing Josh Allen and he's 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 active, then I'm playing him. I totally get that. I just have a feeling that Josh Allen is not playing. If for some reason on the off chance that he does play, I think uh, they're going to restrict him quite a bit. But again, I think Josh Allen is sitting out. There's really no reason to speculate any further on a Tuesday about that. Patrick Mahomes at 7,900. You know, I don't think it's a terrible price. I think that is a, it's, it's a, it's a great setup against Jacksonville for Patrick Mahomes. Obviously pairing him with Kelsey makes things really, really expensive but I do kind of think you have to pair him with Kelsey and maybe another pass catcher. I don't think you could do Patrick Mahomes. I mean, let, let's talk about Kelsey real quick. 17 targets last week, caught 10 of them. Uh, I don't think he made it into the end zone. We'll pull up the, his profile when we get to tight ends. But, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where I think Mahomes to Kelsey and an additional Kansas City Chief, whether that's Juju or MVS or maybe in my, in my case, probably more likely Hardman or Jarek McKinnon. Again, if you're looking for a discount running back, it's GPP only, but I think Jarek McKinnon is at least interesting, especially if we think Jacksonville can push the Chiefs a little bit in terms of offensively put up some points on the Jacksonville side. I think that makes Jarek McKinnon a little bit more involved in the offense. But it's Patrick Mahomes. It's Tua at 6,700. Let's pull up Tua's game log real quick. Tua's 6,700. He's at home against the Cleveland Browns. And listen, everything funnels through the passing game. With the Miami Dolphins, all their production, almost all of their production literally is through the passing game. And the really cool thing about the Dolphins, and we talked about this last week and the week before and the week before and the week before. You see where I'm going with this, right? And the week before, it is such a condensed target share. It's Tyreek Hill, who, yeah, he's very expensive. And it's Jalen Waddle, who is also now being priced up and, and very expensive, too. But you know what you're getting with the Dolphins outside of injury. 
you know you're getting a ton of targets and a ton of production and efficiency from Tyreek Hill and the same with Jalen Waddle. So 30 attempts, 36 attempts, 35 attempts over the last three games. Efficiency from two has been great. You know, he's typically finding his receivers sort of wide open in space. Uh, Mike McDaniel's doing a really good job kind of making this offense work. And again, it's all coming through the pass. So I, I'm not interested in Jeff Wilson this week. I'm not interested in Raheem Mostert. There's no reason to be outside of just being contrarian, which of course you can do that in tournaments. But on this team, I think it's it's two at a Tyreek and it's two, two at a Jalen Waddle. I don't think ownership's going to be super high on Tua because I think people really want to play Justin Fields and they probably want to play Mahomes. And I don't think they know exactly what to expect out of the Cleveland defense, even though it's been, you know, pretty poor. I just think, you know, seeing Mahomes on national television and seeing everything that Justin Fields did last week, I just think that's going to be where people are going to go a little bit more often than Tua. So I really like Tua uh, quite a bit. And I like multiple runbacks in that game, by the way. I, I think you could you could stack this game and have Amari Cooper on the way back. I think, obviously, Nick Chubb is in play if you can afford it. But Donovan Peoples-Jones, there are some guys here. I don't know about David Njoku's status, but I don't think he's going to play. But I think Amari is definitely in play here. The other quarterbacks I like, there's only two that I think are worthy of speaking of on a Tuesday. It's Justin Fields, obviously, at 6,500 at home versus Detroit. It's interesting. You know, I think the conventional wisdom would be like, all right, Justin Fields, this is great. You know, first of all, we, we knew this going into this last game against Miami, that he had been dropping back to pass more, that he had been rushing more. We talked about his rushing floor and, well, he hit his rushing ceiling, but we knew what his rushing floor was. That's why we loved playing him at 5,300. What's interesting here, though, is I'd almost prefer him in Detroit. And we talk about the curated environments quite a bit, right? We, we want I want Justin Fields on a track. I want him at Detroit. I want him in a dome. I wonder... If we're going to see maybe a little bit of a reversal of fortune for Justin Fields, he's still at a reasonable price, but he's certainly priced up quite a bit. Recall on DraftKings, he was 5,300 last week. He's 1,200 more. And the way this slate plays out, that 1,200, I mean, obviously it makes a big difference. But on this slate in particular, it really makes a big difference, especially if it, once we get to running backs. There's some expensive running backs that people are really going to want to play here. So I don't think I'm getting to Justin Fields. Um, I think he's going to be really popular. I totally get it. Again, if this if this game was in Detroit, I'd be more inclined to eat the chalk, so to speak. But I just don't know if I'm going to get there, especially if we'll see on Thursday what the ownership looks like during our game by game preview with Mike. But I'm just thinking I'm going to end up pivoting. I enjoyed all the success of Fields last week. I think I might just go to Tua, maybe Mahomes this week. And, and if I have shares of Justin Fields, it'll be kind of below the field and very contrarian built. So I'm not just going below the field just to like have a couple shares. I'm going below the field, but I'm also making sure my roster construction is different so that when I'm joining the chalk with Justin Fields, if that ends up being the case, well, I'm going to make sure that and I'm playing maybe some different running backs, some different receivers, some different stacks in that game so that if Justin Fields goes off, my lineup has a chance to pass the people who are playing uh, Justin Fields as well. So something to consider. Trevor Lawrence is the only other guy I'd consider. 5,400. You know, I, it's just that's kind of a dart throw. I would never play uh, Trevor Lawrence in cash, but at 5,400, he does make your lineup work. You, if you want to pair him with Christian Kirk and you want to have maybe multiple runbacks, uh, maybe you, you run it back with Kelsey and, uh, you know, Jarek McKinnon or McCole Hardman, and you just hope those guys are the guys that get the touchdowns. Maybe a couple of them run it in, and so Mahomes doesn't get the points there. Uh, I think you're kind of stretching yourself by playing Trevor Lawrence here. But at 5,400, I thought he was at least bringing up because we don't have that quarterback in the low 5K range like we did last week. 
with Mariota if you wanted to play him or Justin Fields, who were both 5,300 last week. So I thought it was at least fair to bring up a um, a low 5K guy. Let's go to uh, the running backs. I'm going to have a tight running back core this week. Uh, as everybody knows, because we've had the questions, and, and forgive me, I haven't looked at the chat yet, and I, I, I will get to that in a second. But, you know, we have those questions, right, where – we talk about like the player pool. I know a couple of weeks ago, I gave like the most long-winded answer of all time when somebody asked me, you know, how, how I make my lineups, what my contest selection is and, you know, how I determine my player pool and how I kind of pare it down. So I'm not going to go into that again, but I do think it's really important. What Frank said, he made, he made his lineups Saturday night, Sunday morning. That's when I make my lineups too. Sometimes like in preparation of this show, I just want to see how a slate is going to kind of play out for the most part, obviously value opens up as the week goes along, but you know, I make lineups early, maybe on a, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or Thursday, but it's really just to get a lay of the land. I I think you want to make your lineup Saturday or or Saturday night or Sunday morning, but more importantly, you want to have a player pool that you're physically looking at. I really think it's important whether you're just typing it on like a Google doc sheet or on your, you know, your iPad notes app or what, or writing it down. Like, I really think you should have, and, and you should stick to it with, with some, you know, margin for error, you know, three or four quarterbacks, uh, six or seven running backs. You know, again, I'm, I'm thinking of like single entry and three max contests. Obviously your pool is going to be a lot bigger if you're max entering uh, 150, but you know, two or three tight ends that you're going to play um, maybe six to eight wide receivers. And you just kind of, you, you, you pair that down as the week goes. And you're like, these are the, these are the plays I believe in. It's really important for a couple of reasons if you're hand building lineups, it's really important. Cause then you don't get, you don't just find yourself like scrolling on your phone or on your computer. Like, Oh, who did I like again? I'm trying to figure it out. You have something to actually look at, but it also prevents you from getting group thought out of a play that you like or group thought into a play that you didn't like in the first place. What, what do I mean by group thought group, like group think, right? Like where we listen to podcasts, whether it's you're listening to me or me and Mike on Thursday or whatever you listen to, there's so much content out there, right? Well, these podcasts are really good. The content is really good, but that doesn't mean all the content is good. So a lot of times people, even on the podcasts, they might not even like a play, but they don't want to be on the outside looking in on, on what the industry believes is like, oh, this is such an obvious smash player. This is like the best contrarian play ever. So what they'll do on their show is they'll, they'll, they'll tout that too. I, I'm sure I've, I've been victimized by that as well. So I mean, hand up here as well. But I, my point is, is Listen to the information, have your player pool, and don't look at Twitter on Sunday morning and be like, oh, man, that guy just tweeted about that guy. I kind of like that, too, because what that means is you're enhancing your player pool and you're you're basically decreasing your chances of really like smashing on a slate because now you're you're over leveraging yourself. You you just have too many guys in the player pool. So stick to the player pool, have it kind of written down or or typed out so that when you're hand built, if you are hand building uh, and not everybody hand builds, but if you are hand building that you have something to refer to. Uh, when you are actually building your lineup. Uh, Mike Chavez says, weather is expected to be in the 30s in Chicago. In Chicago, Could be lots of rushing. I actually noticed that, that the weather was going to be cold uh, in Chicago. I didn't see any wind on the slate that, or rain or precipitation that was going to affect any of these games, but I did notice that. And, and yeah, I don't think it affects, Mike, I don't think it affects you know Justin Fields or any of the plays that we'd be looking at in, unless it was going to be windy, but it is something to to keep an eye on for sure. So, um, like that, Mike, thanks for being in here. KC Chiefs 320, more likes. Oh, yeah, by the way, hit the like button um, if you haven't. Man, KC Chiefs 320. I made so many Chiefs fans mad like two weeks ago when they pulled up an old clip of mine where I said the Denver Broncos 
and the Los Angeles Chargers would be better than the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Listen, I have a lot of great takes. I also have a lot of takes that aren't that great. Okay. So like, man, the chiefs fans like really grilled me, but the the weird part about that was, and don't worry, we'll get to running backs in a second. The weird part about that was the chiefs fans were making it sound like the chiefs were like the best team of all time. Like the 22, 2022 chiefs were like the best team of all time. And they're just unbelievable. And there's no way anybody's going to beat them. And I'm like, all right, let's just have a little bit of perspective. I mean, this is a team that lost to the Colts earlier this year and, you know, almost lost to some, some pretty bad teams, or at least some mediocre teams like uh, the Titans, like the Raiders. Anyway, whatever. Uh, I won't get on my soapbox here, but I respect the Chiefs quite a bit. But I mean, we can all be rational human beings and think the Chiefs are good. That my take at the beginning of the year uh, is bad, but that the Chiefs are not like the best team of all time. All of those things can be true. Okay. Running back position. Let's start with the king here. Saquon coming off a bye. It's pretty much impossible not to like Saquon Barkley. The question is, who's paying up for him? And I wonder what his ownership is going to end up being because 8,600 on this slate is hard to get by. When I, when I said I do lineups on Tuesday, just to get a lay of the land, well, I tried to do a lineup with Barkley, Travis Etienne, and Damian Pierce. So we'll get to them in a second, but it's 8,600, 7,100, 6,300. To me, the, all three of those guys are absolute smash plays for very obvious reasons. Well, you don't have much money left. So if you want to play a high-end quarterback, good luck. If you want to play Travis Kelsey, it ain't happening. If you want to play even Tua at 6,700 and have like him correlated with, let's say, a lower-priced Jalen Waddell, you're still kind of in trouble. So it's just one of those things where it's doable, especially if your low-end receiver tight end options end up hitting and your low-end defense. If, If all of that comes out of the wash fine, then great. But it is really hard to fit Saquon Barkley in a lineup if you're doing one of the stacks that we talked about. I, I think it can be done, and we'll we'll try to do it on Thursday. We'll talk about roster constructions and stuff. But, uh, I mean, Saquon Barkley. Last three games, he's averaging 22 rushing attempts and three receptions. I expect that reception number actually to go up a little bit. Uh, the targets are there for Saquon Barkley. They, they could be a little bit better, 5, 4, 3, and 6 over the last four in terms of targets. He's been pretty efficient catching them. And frankly, this receiver core is still very kind of um, wishy-washy. And I think Saquon coming out of the bye could be a focal point uh, for Daniel Jones and company. So I expect three to four catches for Saquon. I expect 20 to 23 rushing attempts like he's been getting. And I expect the 100-yard bonus to come in. And I expect him to get in the end zone. It is And can he have a multiple touchdown game against Houston of all teams? Yeah, that could absolutely happen. So I like Barkley quite a bit. I want to mention Nick Chubb at 8,100. It's going to be hard to get to him, but I think he's going to be pretty contrarian. Even in the stacks with Tua and Tyreek or Tua and Waddle, I don't think people are going to be running it back as much with Nick Chubb. I think they're going to defer to a low-end, a low-priced receiver like DPJ, Donald Peoples-Jones, or Amari Cooper, of course. So Chubb is somebody to keep in mind from an ownership standpoint. He, you know, Miami's run defense is better than their pass defense. But it's Nick Chubb, and uh, I think he's in a, in a pretty good spot if you can afford it. Etienne, we talked about, listen, his snap share, his his high-value touches share in terms of the red zone, it's it's all happening. And even in a negative game strip at Kansas City, I mean, the snap share for him was over 80%. And I'm actually surprised it's that low. I'm surprised it wasn't 90%. This guy is involved in every single way. He had 30 touches last week, and I expect similar usage at Kansas City. I mentioned Damian Pierce at 6,300 at the New York Giants. I like that quite a bit. Damian Pierce has just been an animal. They're using him a ton. The whole Rex Burkhead experience. Yeah, he sees the field, but it's really the Damian Pierce show. 
I think he could get loose against the Giants, especially given how many opportunities he'll get. There's not much else I like at the running back position right now. I do want to mention Singletary, but again, with not knowing what's going on with Josh Allen, I don't know exactly how that offense is going to run, but at 5,600, I think it's a decent discount option. And without Josh Allen, we could even see more usage. It's just a matter of what the efficiency is uh, with Devin Singletary. But at 5,600, I think it's an interesting price, uh, a contrarian play for sure. And I mentioned Jarek McKinnon at 4,800. The main reason I mentioned him is because right now I don't see a ton of great discount running backs. And I think 4,800, especially if there's a back and forth here, if Jacksonville pushes Kansas City, we saw last week he got like eight targets and he caught six of them. So it's one of those things where it is a dart throw, but he's he's on the field more than the other two running backs at this point, Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I think McKinnon is an interesting play if you need the savings at 4,800. Let's quickly go over the receiver position. Let's start with Tyreek. It's going to be hard to afford him, but Tyreek is an absolute animal. He didn't get as many targets last week as I, I would have liked, but it kind of doesn't matter because he's just piling up so many yards. Eight targets, caught seven of them, 143 yards and a touchdown. Tyreek Hill is liable to go off for two touchdowns and 150 yards any game, literally any game. And honestly, I, there's nothing about the Cleveland secondary that instills fear in my heart or the heart of Tyreek Hill or Tua or anybody on that Dolphins offense. Again, all that production is coming from the passing game. It's Tyreek Hill, it's Jalen Waddell, and it's all coming from Tua. So, I mean, if you can get to Tyreek Hill, that's great. If you need to pay down for Jalen Waddle, I don't mind that either. Uh, Cooper Cup at home against Arizona. Don't mind it. I don't think I'm getting there with Cup at 9,000. Diggs, I'll just skip right by, especially with the Josh Allen news. 8,300 at home versus Minnesota. Waddle, I mentioned, just for the record, last, last week, five of seven targets, caught five of seven, 85 yards and a touchdown. Here's a guy that I think is sneaky. Amon Ross St. Brown. So, I think you could play Justin Fields naked again, like, like I did last week. And I think you could run it back with Amon Ron, call it a day. Um, I, I don't think either of them are, are have been sort of priced out of, of the ranges that we're comfortable with at this point. Again, I'm not going to be as big on Justin Fields as the field is, but I think Amon Ra is really sneaky because I think at this point, people are a little frustrated with Amon Ra because he's not really finding the end zone. He's, his ADOT has been depressed quite a bit. So he's not really finding, you know, the, the, the big, time catches that we saw in the beginning of the year. I wonder if that has something to do with his injury, but either way, he's a target monster. He caught nine of 10 targets, uh, or he's had nine and 10 targets over the last two games. This is a game where if the weather permits, uh, I think this is a game that could have a, a nice back and forth. And Amon Ra is getting, he's actually getting some air yards, but he's getting such a great target share, almost 40% of the targets last week. So kind of sneaky because I don't, I think people are frustrated with him and they don't want to pay that high price for Amon Rod 6,900. Amari Cooper, we already talked about coming off a buy, um, should be featured. Uh, you know, his road and home splits are interesting for whatever reason. He's like awful on the road, but I do think against Miami, uh, the secondary still hasn't really stepped up. They play a lot of man. Amari's really good against man. I think that's, that's an interesting spot for Amari Cooper to, to have some success. I mean, we see now like it's a little deceiving that 24th rate, as we see here on YouTube, the 24th rated secondary. I wonder what that is over the last few weeks. I think it's at least a little bit better. I mean, we saw what Justin Fields did to them, but that was mostly on the ground, obviously uh, last week. So I think Amari could have some success there. Uh, Alan Lazard at 6,100 home versus Dallas. I don't love it. I just thought it was worth mentioning Juju at 6,000. I don't think I'm getting there. Christian Kirk at 5,900. You know, you could have that contrarian stack with Trevor Lawrence, save a lot of money and, you know, maybe have two runbacks on the Kansas City side and see what happens. But I think Kirk is a good runback on 
on the other side. And maybe you want to have multiple runbacks uh, with Kirk and Travis Etienne and you have Mahomes to Kelsey. Again, not super affordable, but can it be done? The answer is yes, uh, especially if you throw in a second pass catcher that's that's a really low price. Like, for example, uh, a McCole Hardman. I think that's you know where you get to a point where like, okay, if, if I get McCole Hardman and I have one other low price dart throw at the um, – maybe the tight end and the defensive position, then maybe I can make this lineup actually work. But that game absolutely has to smash if you do that. For the record, Hardman's snap share hasn't been very good, but they're clearly designing plays for them. So if you look at his snap share versus Marcus Valdez-Scantling, for example, because Juju's getting his targets, he'll get his. But if you look at MVS versus Hardman, you're going to be like, oh, well, it looks like it looks like MVS is probably the appropriate play. He's on the field more. Well, that's great that he's on the field, but they're not really designing plays for him. Hardman, they're actually designing plays for him in spite of the fact that he's only, only on the field about 50% of the time. So um, I, I do think Hardman at 4,500 has some value. He did have nine targets last week. So that that was a pleasant surprise for Hardman backers. Caught six of them, 79 yards and a touchdown. He's getting some of those sweeps and some of that that running game work as well. So somebody to consider. Um, Marcus Callaway, 3,600. I'm just going to throw that out there. We'll have way more value to talk about, by the way, that specifically running back and wide receiver on Thursday. Let's do tight ends real quick. I talked about Kelsey. We don't need to talk about him anymore. He caught 10 of 17 targets for 106 yards. I don't think he found the end zone last week. Uh, and I think that'll change this week. It's my guess. So, I mean, I think this guy, any game, he's good. For, like, just like Tyreek Hill, where, he, you know, outside of an injury, they're good for like a certain baseline. And I think Kelsey's good for like 880 and a touch. I, I mean, the touch part, you know, that can vary. But 8 and 80, I think, is what the baseline is for Travis Kelsey outside of an injury for four quarters. You're going to get eight catches and 80 yards minimum from Travis Kelsey Higby 3,600. He hasn't been very good, but he is playing Arizona. It's only 3,600, but I don't really want to go there because Cole Komet at 3,400 has my interest. Dulcich at 3,400 at Tennessee has my interest. Evan Ingram will have to monitor whether or not he's playing, but for the record, if he's not, you get Dan Arnold for 2,500. I think it's his show in the reception department, as opposed to Chris Manhurts. 2,500 really makes a lot of things work. So it is absolutely a punt play if you're playing Dan Arnold. And obviously, Evan Ingram would have to be out. But I'll be playing it in some of my lineups uh, because I've seen Dan Arnold be functionally good as a pass catcher in the past. And frankly, if it wasn't for the Jacksonville Jaguars signing Evan Ingram, it would probably be the Dan Arnold show to some degree at the tight end position. Uh, Tanner Hudson's another guy to point out. Bellinger's not going to play. Uh, he's going to be out for a little while. Tanner Hudson caught three of five targets for 58 yards, but really saw the field a lot in Daniel Bellinger's absence. He's only 2,600. So I think guys like Dan Arnold could be viable, but Tanner Hudson is definitely viable at 2,600. So again, I think you're going to want to pay down at tight end, but you could also pay up for Kelsey and pay down at tight end. You can play that second tight end in the flex position, treat Travis Kelsey as a receiver, because that's exactly what he is. But um. That's pretty much it. We'll go over defenses. There's a couple of defenses I like that are somewhat low priced, but we'll go over defenses on um, on Thursday on the game by game preview with uh, Mike McClure, which I'm really looking forward to. You know, I, I think that's pretty much our show. Let, let me look at maybe if you could bring up some comments or actually maybe you could join us real quick. If you don't mind, um, Zach, can you can you join us real quick? I did want to ask you a question. I did want to get your take on something. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the, the, the Jeff Saturday sort of interim coach thing. And, you know, I, I don't really have a strong – personally, I don't really have a strong opinion either way. I mean, first of all, when it says interim to me, like I, I think that means interim, but I'm, I'm not really sure what the implications are, there, are of that long term. 
Any take on the since it's a popular topic? Any take on the uh, the Jeff Saturday signing as the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, I think Frank Reich must have lost the locker room because they fired the OC last week and they mm-hmm. dumped him yesterday. But I mean, like when he went into that situation, he was going into that situation thinking that Andrew Luck was going to be his quarterback. That wasn't the case. Think about that. He's had a different quarterback every year for what was it four years now? Five years? Yeah, a bunch, bunch of different guys and. I don't understand what's going on with the offensive line this year. Jonathan Taylor, something's definitely wrong with that ankle. And the uh-huh. defense, they did they, they did lose uh the what's his name to the Bears. So, but like with Jeff Saturday, like that's that's out of left field. I don't I don't assume he's gonna be there next year, but just to grab somebody with no coaching experience, college or professional, just because he, he played for the team, even though there's probably a lot of very qualified people on the roster. I think Gus Bradley's the coordinator. Um, I mean, he hasn't had that much success in the NFL, but what did you think of the move? I thought it was wild. I thought it was wild, but you know, we talked about Jim Mersey a couple weeks ago, right? I, I mentioned him. I mean, this is this is the we're Jim indebted to him. He got Snyder. We're indebted to him, so I don't. He's nothing he can do is wrong. <laughs> well, my point but. back then was like, I like if you want Dan Snyder out, I'm not sure Jim Mersey is the is sort of the representative that you want advocating for that. I mean, it's great that like I, I get it, but but he, Jim Mersey, I just think is he's very whimsical. He's very just arbitrary and. You know, it it, it kind of serves him right. Like, like I'm not a big indie fan right now because he completely stomped on Carson Wentz after letting him go, talking about how Carson Wentz was a mistake. Like, these are things you don't need to do. And for the record, it, I don't know what planet he's on, but, like, the idea that Matt Ryan is some massive li- – listen, you can make the argument that Matt Ryan's better than Carson Wentz. That's fine if you want to make that argument. They're kind of the same guy in my opinion. But, like, the idea that you're going to stomp on Carson Wentz and that you don't have the presence of mind to, like – you know, maybe walk back your comments that Matt Ryan is some massive upgrade. I mean, just everything he does is very random and arbitrary. And so like none of this, Jeff Saturday seems like a great guy. I mean, he might be a good head coach. I don't know. But yeah, it certainly seems wild. You could have, for an interim status, go ahead and promote somebody on the staff, give them the title of head coach. And then you you do the Jeff Saturday thing, you know, next season. You you, you do the, let, let him do the interview process and and then it might make a little bit more sense when you do with them. But I would have promoted internally, to be honest. I, I think he knew that anybody on his staff, they probably would have done it, but he's really just setting them up to fail because their season, their season's going down the drain. I guarantee you Peyton was his first call. Sean, uh, Peyton Manning was the first call. He said no. He probably called a couple of other people and said, hey, Jeff, you interested? And he jumped on a plane and he got over there and they had the press conference at 8 o'clock last night. But I'm, I'm not really sure w- what's going to happen. They just promoted some guy who's some 30-year-old guy to be their play caller. On Sunday, I'm not really sure what's going on, um, but Frank Wright is going to get scooped up by somebody else. He's too good of a coach to just be sitting out there. But uh, the cold season, I mean, to to, to, to be contrarian, earlier in the season when they got rid of Wentz and they got Matt Ryan, people were thinking that Washington was crazy for not going after Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has declined like crazy oh, yeah. this year. Oh, they yeah. were the favorites oh, yeah. to win the division. So I'll give, them the, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that, but the offensive line has not played up to it. Everything that's got that can go wrong in Indy has gone wrong, and we'll we'll see what happens with Jeff Saturday. I don't even know if the guys on the team know who he is, but we'll, we'll find out. Absolutely. So I do want to answer a couple questions, and then we'll get out of here, Zach. Um, just two in particular. Derek Graham, uh, thanks for being in here. Hopefully, everybody hit the like button. If you didn't, you know that's fine. But maybe on Thursday, make sure when you right when you get in here, hit the like button. Sort of make that a habit on Thursdays and Tuesdays if you can. But Derek says, I know I could be reaching, but do you think Russell Wilson off a of bye with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton could be successful? 
Yes, I wouldn't do it with both. Uh, I would maybe do it with, if you're really trying to stack that game and get contrarian in a big tournament, I think that's okay. I would do Russell Wilson probably to Jerry Judy and Greg Dulcich, save some money. Um, I would dump Cortland Sutton and just hope Jerry Judy, it's the Jerry Judy show again. Uh, I think you could do that. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson at 5,900, it makes sense. I don't think I would get there. But again, that's not something to do in a single entry or a three max, in my opinion, because I think there's better options. Uh, but I, I think it's a good question. I think you could do it in a bigger tournament as kind of like a, a dart throw. Don't mind that at all coming off a buy in particular. The other question I want to bring up, Najee Harris, Der- oh, it's same, it's Derek again. Um, Najee Harris at 5,500. I don't mind that. Uh, I, I think it's a pretty good matchup. Do they play Tennessee? I'm I'm blanking right now. Oh, I'm sorry. They're at home against New Orleans. It's it's Denver that plays Tennessee. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't mind that at 5,500. The question becomes, and maybe we'll maybe I'll find out some 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 noise about Jalen Warren versus you know coming off the bye versus Najee Harris in terms of what we think the split's going to be. But at 5,500 at home against uh, the New Orleans uh, run defense, I could see it. I, I don't at 5,500. You know, you're finding value for us, Derek, and there's not a lot of value on this slate yet. There will be by Thursday. But as it stands right now, I don't mind the Najee Harris play as long as I think that Najee Harris is going to get like 65% of the uh, rushing attempts and, um, you know, snap share, if you will. But, uh, Zach, I think that'll do it. That's our Tuesday show. This is the the look, the early look at week 10. We did our lineup recap. Um, I'm looking forward to the show on Thursday with Mike. It's going to be our game-by-game preview. Zach will be here with us, of course, as well. And we're going to kick Frank out because he took all of our money this week, and he is not welcome here. He's on a one-week suspension, and he's not welcome here on Thursday. I am I'm very upset that he took my money. But anyway, register for the tournament. FFT DFS, go register for that right now. For now, this is Sian Ajat. That's Zach Brook. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. It's Tuesday. We'll see you Thursday. Thanks for joining us.